Welcome to another episode of the Music Guy Podcast, the podcast about a couple of working musicians in the Toronto, Ontario area. My name is Al Rowe. I'm a music guy. I play guitar. I sing. I write songs and make records. Joining me from all the way from uh, Whitby, Ontario, my friend and yours, my co-host, partner in crime, guitarist, backup vocalist, composer, educator, Mr. Michael Hebbs. What's happening, dude? You know, just being a deadbeat. Really, uh, <laughs> yeah, just I woke up at 10 a.m. today and, you know, just lied in bed for like half an hour. It's no good. Yeah. This COVID thing's becoming unhealthy for me. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I It feels like we're kind of getting over the hump, but but uh, it's it's going to be a slow restart, I think, especially for for people uh, I just of want- our profession. The world to decide if it's ending or not, because if it's over, then, you know, I can act accordingly. But this half-ass shit, yeah, not right. it. Yeah, we're like in between, you know, yeah. everything going to going to hell and everything going back to normal. When are we going to start eating people, you know? <laughs> Anytime you want, man. <laughs> you could be, you could be the, you could be the, uh, the trendsetter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're pleased to welcome to the show a friend of ours from uh, gigs past, and uh, he he's a singer songwriter, the singer songwriter for the band The Crease Rule. He's a singer guitarist, uh, works uh, leads the band Lindsey Broham, which is a wedding band, and uh, uh, among other bands, and uh, is a side musician in his own right. We're pleased to welcome all the way from. Pretty far up north, Ontario, Mr. Kyle Homan. What's up, dude? Welcome. Yo, yo. Thank you. Hey, guys. What's up? How's the weather up there, man? Pretty humid. Pretty humid. What about you guys? How's it going? Is it it really humid down there like it is here? I haven't been outside yet today. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right. (laughs) Air conditioning is the weather. It's a little sticky. Yeah, AC's on. We got the AC on, so it's, it's okay. So you you live on a horse farm now? Yeah, there's the, we we have uh, we have four horses that uh, two of them jump and race, and two of them just eat and stand. Yeah, um, it's it's a huge transition from me a year and a half ago. <laughs> and so, like, what? That's like a full time job in itself, right? Caring for horses. It really, yeah. It's a, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, my, my partner, Shannon is like around the clock with it and she works full time. So oh, it's shit. safe to say that like, if you want to spend time with her, you go to the farm with her. So you gotta get out to the barn with her. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's but it's a, great. That's a cool lifestyle. I'm sure like it affords you like that property is probably pretty big. Like you probably got a sweet recording setup and stuff going on up there as well. Yeah. That was like the biggest thing moving up here. It took me, I felt like I felt like, like maybe five years ago, kind of like rumbling, rumbling inside of me. I was like, um, something's got to change. Like I got to go. I've been, I've been stuck in, not stuck in Toronto, but I was, I was like immersed in it so heavily for years and years and years to the point where I didn't realize, like it just became such a big part of my everyday that I thought like, this is what I'll always be doing. And uh, when I met Shannon, I found out she was from Muskoka. So I got to do, all the, you know, visiting and the holidays and stuff. And I realized I'm like, man, I love it. I love it up here. Oh man. So, 
Yeah. There's a lot <laughs> I would of, love uh, to learn Muskoka as well. Yeah, it's, it's real nice. The drive sucks, but uh, yep. like, um, but I've just I've found a way to make it work. I got a got still got my place in the city, and uh, that's like a strictly like a business spot, and I can sleep there and and whatnot if things are getting a little day to day. Like, but for the most part, I I can record tunes up here. I write a bunch of songs and uh, just hang out, listen to the crickets, and nobody bothers me. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's pretty good like m- music opportunities up there too in terms of playing live. Like I've I've done a handful of gigs at like different resorts up there and like there's 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 work to be had if you're uh especially if you're living up there it'd be pretty sweet oh totally and and i find i find that like that was that's one of the coolest things is i kind of settled in kept it super chill for a while didn't really reach and branch out or anything but um yeah there's just a ton of really cool uh like wedding planners for one thing it's just been incredible like they're like oh like can you head out to port carling and play on top of a four bay um boathouse for four hours and you're out there and you're like holy crap everyone's dressed in white silk and you're like i didn't know this existed you wouldn't think on the line of trees that this stuff was a thing but yeah the resorts are nice the deer you know there's deerhurst there's there's great breweries there's man it's a gem it's a gem it's beautiful so what you're saying is you played for a cult basically i had a i did a cult show That's dope. Uh, and we played no cult songs um yeah, 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 yeah. it was strictly yeah yeah, it's that uh, new new the cults. They're all new country fans, so that, that's fine. I'm cool with that. I mean, cults got lots of money sometimes. Absolutely, sometimes. Oh. Yeah, if they yeah. want you to play longer, yeah, they show you how much cash they have. There you I go. carry cash. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's great. I'm getting paid in cash right now. There you go, buddy. <laughs> so let's uh, jump right into a tune off of the new record. So the crease rule. You guys put out a record, uh, like well, an EP, I guess I should say. How many months ago? Pretty recently, right? Yeah, so we did that in June, June seventeenth, July nineteenth, June June nineteenth. I think June nineteenth. Yeah. Anyways, it came out in June, and uh, it was our second one. So we released one right at the beginning of the year, right before COVID, called Three Way Stop. And then this one, uh, it was one of those ones where, oh man, I, we could have released it in. March, uh, I could have waited till September. I had a plan to like, let's get some shows going and then release a second EP and then COVID hit. So I was like, I am tired of not having these out. So I mm. released it. <laughs> right on. All right. So. so yeah, I mean, the record sounds amazing. Uh, this is a song called Brotherhood by the Crease Rule.
Shit. Right on. That was the uh, the Crease <clears throat> Rule with their song Brotherhood. Um, man, were those like some some sort of harmonics at the very end there over top of those those guitar chords? Yeah, it's like it was like the big heavy shots yeah. with the bing bing. Yeah, did you have that to, was like, actually Brent Farva's idea to do the the He's a big harmonics guy, and he's like, "Why are there not harmonics on this?" So yeah, we threw it on. There. I've it never, great. I've yeah. never noticed that in music before, but that's such a cool texture to add. Yeah. Um, did you have to like? Did you have to like retune yeah. the guitar to get them right for each chord, or were they just? Did it just work? Uh, I honestly think it, we're just we're just in half step there. I think it was just uh, seventh fret and fifth fret or yeah. seventh. No, it was like two. I think it was like the three highest strings on the seventh fret, and then rip over to the five and do the the A and D string. It was crazy, okay. and I was like, "Oh, that works unbelievably perfect right now." So we, yeah. we threw it in there. That's sweet. Yeah, I mean, sweet. man, like that—that that is the like that's the kind of music that like I was listening to in high school and like early college. Yeah. I mean, like not that I don't listen to it now, but like I'm that's the kind of stuff that that I came up listening to when I was uh trying to start bands and like trying to make it you know as a young guy and it's just like to hear that stuff to hear that stuff now and that people are still wanting to make that and wanting to listen to it it's like yeah this is sick like i would love to be involved with a project that sounded like that you know what i mean and to get that sound right is it's hard so hard man yeah yeah Yeah. you can really butcher it and uh i think that like I, I come from like a pretty serious like metal background and and I love like shred and I love classic rock and I like smoking weed and playing Jimi Hendrix and I was I was, that was kind of like my background but I really got into punk rock like in grade eight nine and there was a lot of like no effects and rancid and stuff like that so when like all these years passed you realize like as a jobber or a guitar player for someone and whatnot like you're playing other people's songs and you're not gonna you're not gonna be a side guy in a punk band even though you really want to it'd probably be number one on my list but like you spend years thinking like that's not gonna make me any money and i need to pay the bills right now and if i don't pay the bills then you know i don't want to be transactional about music i'm gonna wait till i'm a little older and and I just keep writing year after year, just writing songs and writing songs and writing songs and playing in bands here and there that never went anywhere because we were a little younger and we didn't know how to make it work. And I think at age 30, I was just like, you know, I'm exhausted and um, I love what I do. And it, and it, you know, brings home the bacon, doing, doing weddings and playing for people and stuff. That's fine. But I was like, I just don't feel complete. Um, so, and you, like you've heard over the last few years, like, I'll show you like a metal song. And I'm like, I don't, I just never felt like you're like, Oh, that's pretty good, man. Like we should like do some more of those. And I was like, yeah, like I'm thinking about it. Let's do it. And I never just committed to like going into it and like immersing, like immersing yourself, spending the money on, on, you know, post-production, all the other stuff that you do past the demo. And, uh, I think what happened was I never felt confident. Like as a singer over the years, I was always I was always singing in my like quiet voice doing harms. And if I was trying to sing melodies or doing covers or anything like that, I just, I just have one of those voices where I feel like I really have to project in order to hit the notes. Mm. So then I finally just had a Eureka moment. And then, uh, that was writing, demoing the first like three to five songs for the crease where I was just letting loose. I didn't care. I was like, I don't care what the sound like sounds like I'm going to release punk rock. And then uh, that kind of spiraled into a few people going like, hey, man, this I think it's like it's working. Like, I think it sounds good. Like, the songs are 
pretty good. And then a couple guys get together with you and they're like, you know, what else do you got? And then we go into the folder and it's like, Oh crap. Like now, like a year later, I'm like, it's probably like my favorite thing ever. It makes me, it just makes me feel happy and, and sharing honest, honest stories and, it's just one of those things, man. Like it, it's more of a fulfillment project more than anything. It's, I'm not going to, we're all a bunch of dads. We're not going to hit the road in a van <laughs> and break our backs you know, on, on that stuff like we did in our 20s. On the punk rock scene? Yeah. Yeah, screw that. Fuck that, man. A lot man. of traffic <laughs> for uh, Brian the drummer in those songs too, eh? He's working yeah, real Brian, uh, hard. He, uh, the first time we ever went into the studio, he was just like, all right, all right. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like I was, I was running. I'm like, why do you like, dude, you're like one of the best drummers I've ever met. Like, why are you nervous right now? He's like, did you, who midi, who midi these? Why did you midi them? I would have midi them the same way. And I was like, oh shit, like we're going to get into it. Like it became one of those sessions where like, I was like, like he just, he found a way to make it all work. And sometimes, you know, he, I think Brian's one of those, he's so smart at like uh, adjusting midi parts that I, that wouldn't be real. He's like, dude, that like, that wouldn't be real. We're going to do this instead. And then I'm like, oh yeah, there you are. Thanks man. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he's busy. He's it's. I think that's why Brian wants to play in the crease role. I think he's just like this is super busy, and I like he likes sweating and playing fills. Yeah, and it's challenging. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's a metal guy too, isn't he? He has a metal background or something. I don't know too much about him to be honest. I know he has a twin yeah. brother. Uh, he does. <laughs> that's about it. Who is also a good musician? Yeah. So yes. we're talking. We're talking about Brian Chirkos, and yeah, he is. Uh, uh yeah he is he does have a metal ba- background he plays for nick johnston who's like an instrumental oh yeah uh, metal sort of slash blues kind of fusion um group yeah, yeah and he's been on tour with with, uh, with those guys so that's it i didn't even realize Wild, that, right? that it was brian that uh that played drums on those records that's that's amazing oh yeah it sounds great the guy like i so <clears throat> like it, the way it kind of panned out is i had a good friend johnny weeb uh, he's from out west. He played in a band called The Latency back in the day. Yeah, and he also pl- yeah he drummed for The Heels. Um, long story short, Johnny's a really hardworking guy in the tech I- industry. Like he works for some really cool Toronto companies. Um, he's like, hey man, like I'll uh, get together and hashies out for you, but like I don't know how much I can do for you past that. And I was like. Thanks, man. So we got together, played. He played one show with us, and it was just one of those things where he was like, I got to go back to work. Like, I can't be your guy for rehearsals and stuff. And then at the time, uh, I shipped a few demos over to Brent Farva, and he was like, him, he's a huge punk rock guy. Like, he's just like, he was like, dude, this is great. Like, let's do some stuff together. And then in that whole transition, uh, he was like, man, like, I showed Brian, Brian some of these songs, and Brian was like super into playing them and i was like like brian i'm like oh the guy who plays for nick the guy who toured with between the buried and me like one of my favorite bands of all time mm-hmm. like okay and then he he came out to rehearsal and it was just like oh like wow i felt so cool you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like when you hear the songs like oh yeah. my god like this is so much better than cool. a midi drummer hearing it coming to life oh right? yeah yeah yeah. Oh, so can what a you, feeling, boys. What a feeling. Can you talk about that song that we just heard and like what 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 is it about? What's the meaning behind it? Uh yeah, that song is called Brotherhood. I wrote it uh actually I wrote it with my little brother. <laughs> he was there. Huh? We were uh, we had just finished playing a game of shinny and uh we were just out there shooting around before like the game got going. I'm just like, man, the amount of years I've been here and I was just like looking off at the CN Tower and we were having some cans of beer and 
uh, I just realized like there's such a repetitive process through the seasons when you live in like an urban environment just to kind of cope and being on the ice with like your favorite, most loved people. Um, they just, you know, getting in a bar fight or getting into a fight on the ice with your, with your best bud. And then by the end of it, you're, you're all good again. You're just kind of stressing and fuming and letting the gas off. And, and that, that's what that song, the song is literally all about just growing up in Canada in terrible winter conditions on the ice and kind of like enjoying your Friday night for what it's worth instead of, you know, sitting at home and, (laughs) and yeah, there's lots of drinking involved and there's lots of nights where you're like, wow, I really shouldn't have, uh, I shouldn't have, uh, gotten drunk and talked to that girl. Cause I, you know, we're not getting married. I don't, it just didn't work out. And you have the regrets and all those things. And you count on your bros to kind of get you through it. And when you're, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, man. Classic Canadian boy. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's get into, I mean, maybe the, the, the recording process. I mean, we already kind of touched on it a little bit, but like the thing that stands out to me, uh, Above anything, I mean, your vocals sound great, and I, I want to get into that, actually. I have a lot of questions. Uh, the drums sound awesome, but, like, the guitar tones are really what stood out to me as just, like, wow, like this is this is unreal. Yeah. Like, so, can we start there? Is that cool? Like, what? how did you guys get yeah. those tones? Or was that, is this, I guess maybe we should start with, like, who's who's playing on the record? Is it all you, and then Brian's playing drums, or how? Did, how who's playing on Brian's it? playing drums. Uh, Brian's playing drums. I'm playing guitar. Um, most recently, Michael Ch- Shanger, uh, he played in a band Breaching Vista from Cambridge. He did the bass on br- the Brotherhood EP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, we, you know, it was one of those things where like, he was like, what do you want? And we, we dialed it in pretty good. And then uh, when we do guitars, it's pretty funny. Like, it, <laughs> God bless technology, right? Like we could, I could spend thousands of dollars of my money and get into an amazing space and set up um my my pedal board and my amps and what I want but thank god for Kempers we could I can find I was able to really kind of emulate the guitars that I want um which was really cool so Brent and I uh got together uh opened a, opened a few beverages and spent like hours in j- this past January before last December I'd say uh, and we, we just went through a whole bunch of profiles that kind of like encompassed the way I would set shit up. Um, when I was playing, like w- the way I was like demoing the songs and stuff, I used my board to, to demo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I run, I run like a diamond compressor, RC booster, BB preamp. Um, uh, and that was kind of the core, like line drive for the guitars. And then we yeah. found, we found a super sweet, uh matchless profile and like i'm a huge fan of those amps i don't know if you ever played through a matchless but like played through it a holy few crap times, but yeah i would love to have you one. can really break you can really break up they're expensive like you can really break them open i run of uh, i just run an ac 15 live so on the first ep we did a matchless and an ac 15 cab with an angle with like an angle head so an angle head on a on a some sort of AC 15 speaker, like a, I guess a British style. If you, does that make sense yeah. that I'm saying that? Yeah. Okay. And then we ran a matchless. So I ran all the telecasters through the matchless and then I ran the Les Paul through, through the angle. So we got this, it's kind of like you're listening to like an, like a pretty decent, like rock, rock distortion, like, but underneath is like this heavier 
kind of like sh- more shimmery metal in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just, we just spent hours going back and forth and back and forth. So that's how we did three way stop fast forward to brotherhood. We would, we used a full out angle profile with a matchless and then we switched. So I put all the Les Pauls through the matchless and did leads with them. And then Brett, like, honestly, man, like the, we, Brent and I have so much fun doing guitars, man, because we're such like, we're distortion buffs. Like we're like, you know, we, we reference. Yeah, man. So we referenced, I think I referenced as best I could, uh, Weezer's blue album, four years strong to reference outcome. The wolves, uh, by rancid Jimmy world futures. Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I, we tried to like, I really tried my best to get like, to get it like thick and together without too much, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point it was just a case of how clean it was. I really appreciate recording these types of guitars with the Kemper because the louder you get in a space, um, it just, it might, you know, it's hard to record with amps yeah. uh, with my budget, with the crease roll budget. Dude. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, I, I mean, I do digital all the time now. I, I've rolled yeah, it. Dude. I rolled into metalworks for a session with a, with an HX stomp. I was like, this is what I'm using. Oh my, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and that's, and they're, they're great. They're fucking great. Yeah, so. man. And I mean, at this, uh, honestly, at this point, the only people that are going to give you guff about it are just like purists with like a negative attitude, that's I think. Exactly. And my, that was my hardest point is like, is like not being a purist is yeah. I, I, I had to get over that. I had to just get over it, get over it. And I wasn't mad when I heard the end product, but oh, I love using my amp on stage. I love the way it breaks out. I it's, I'm not like, I don't know. I, the first time I heard a Kemper was Dave, Dave Kirby brought it to rehearsal uh, one day and he's like, Oh, this is my Kemper. And, and he played it. And I was like, wow, that's like so incredible. It's better than any digital emulator I've ever heard. Um, but I'm just like one of those guys who likes to just, I'm not as clean. I like to just play loud and make noise, but in the studio, holy crap, you, you have control over it. You have control over the way it it lays down in the wave and, and processing it. And, and I, I'm on the fence about getting one. I haven't done that yet. I run my UA with like UA plugins when I demo. So I use the Marshall and the angle there. And I don't know, man, like it's such a great world to be in and understand because you're right. Like, especially with you, when we discuss like uh, showing up to a festival and giving someone a USB stick. Yeah. (laughs) And there you go. There's your, there's your tone. Well, and that's just, and that's just how it's going to be eventually. I would think. Yes. Uh, Totally. But because why not? It's, it's at the end of the day, it's going to be, it'll end up being easier for the, uh, for the techs, right. For everybody involved in producing the show, you know, if they want to roll amps back and forward and break their backs and like have tubes blow and 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 uh, pilot lights not be working and people be like, is this thing even on? And like, that's yeah, that's cool. There's a vibe to that. And like that, that's going to be a thing, too. But they'll just be I think they'll just be those production companies just like, yep, spring a USB stick. We've got everything already yep. rigged up. Oh, Plug good. it in. We're good to go. Yep. And then changeovers yep. will be. So quick, right? Yeah. The only only thing I don't like, dude, is like, the only thing I don't like is um, not having my amp behind me Mm. for that stage sound. Like that, where I get a little buzzed out. Oh, yeah, to feel it on you. Yeah. 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 I miss that. Also, too, like, like, the fear is if if it doesn't work, like, if, say, you don't have your monitor, like, your monitor isn't set or, like, your ears aren't set, then you are fucked. But, like, yeah, the only reason I would want it as well, too, is just, you know, you're used to feeling the air when you're playing but like i mean i'm all in on the digital tone i was listening to 
uh, a, a local guy named Aiden Jacobs. I was just checking out his YouTube channel because he's sick. Um, and he was doing a John Mayer cover. And I'm like, wow, he must oh. have like two rock amp. And no, it was just like a Helix patch. And I was like, really? All in on this. Yeah. Oh, the Helix, man. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, Helix, Kemper, whatever, you know? There's so many I great feel like options it's, it's, now. Yeah, you got it. When you know how to use it, I'm sure like you and Brent, especially because you and Brent spent the time on it. A lot of people are like, ah, I'll just fucking sure this yeah. is close enough you click know the I mean? next button click the next button and you know what i mean and we you know I, now i realize that if the crease rule our like touring strategy or our playing strategy is going to be like that of a dad that does not that can't be away from home too long so if we do get yeah. in on great great shows and festivals we're going absolutely all in with wireless and in-ears and we're going to run around on stage and make it more of a, it's more about the production of what you like, what we're doing than it is like how amazing my guitar tone is. So Brent has a Kemper, yes. Chang, Chang has a Kemper. Um, and then uh, Dakota, he's our third guitarist. He runs a Fender twin. So we haven't, <laughs> we haven't like Dakota's tone is so good. It's such a good contrast from my Vox and Brent's yeah. Kemper patch when we rehearse. Um, but we're getting to the point where like, um, I'm going to, we're probably going to run a Kemper. I'll get one and run it for Dakota. And then I'm going to run, I run that little, have you seen those new Vox heads, the little MV fifties? Yes. Like this yeah, big. yeah. 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 Are they so good? You can. They're so sick, man. You, I, I, I used it the other day, uh, or last show. I popped, just popped it down on a, on an orange cab, like a 412, and I'm like, yeah. holy crap. So quick, it just That's sits in my bizarre. gig bag. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, so it's, new, nice. it's called New Tube. New Tube technology. I don't, uh, one of my I don't students know. has one of those, and I hooked yeah. it up to my cab, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. This is so fucking like, cool. It's like, yeah. it's like the amp. <laughs> yeah. But it's tiny. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so it's, I mean, it's hard to, being a modern, I'm, I'm all about being a modern band. I, I market the band like a modern band. I write modern, modern lyrics, but there's like that whole sense of heavy nostalgia that I try to kind of add into the mix. And I'm definitely not going to be one of those guys who like, just turn it up, man. Whatever, bro. It's punk rock. Doesn't matter. It does fucking matter. It totally does. does It's been around for so long now that it's like, sure like shit's like codified you know it's like this is what it sounds like you know 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. it's come a long way so yeah in, in terms of um in terms of drums did you guys get a studio together did you just program everything what was your strategy for drums so over the years over the years, I have been like, I am like, uh, as much as I hate MIDI, everyone hates MIDI and drums. Yeah. I just put myself through it. I don't even have preset MIDI patches. Like I just go and I keyboard through the whole, every song, no matter what. And I've just, cause I'm a little weird with variety. I can't keep the same, I can't have the same groove as no. the last song I demoed. Yeah. And just for my sake of yeah. mind, I, I just, I'm just yeah, that yeah. weirdo. So I MIDI'd, I MIDI, MIDI drum most of the stuff. And like, I, like, I do it with, I try to do it properly. I try to like modify, adjust the velocities, keep it, keep it down. Don't make it all red when you're midding the drums, all the red, little red blocks. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I mid, midi fills do all that stuff. And as my brain drums very well, I find like I am, I am a brain drummer and then obviously translating it to your hands never, never works out the way you want. Mm-hmm. So we were going to, I, I sat there and like lulled over, like, what's the point of the crease roll? Like, is it just me like putting out a SoundCloud or is it just me, you know, and part of, I think the most important part 
of this is like, we discussed this a few years ago is like, share it with your buddies, like get people, get people to talk to you about your music and get people to like, just give you their honest opinion and don't 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 take it personally just share it because like if you sit there if you sit on top of your songs for years and never share with anyone because you're too worried about them saying like this is shit then like you shouldn't be writing songs you know what i mean like you you need to so i did that i shared it with a whole bunch of people and i started making like a little tally between each song like who votes at their favorite mm. and uh there, I, I ask out of like 10 songs give me your top three and uh, my demos were pretty terrible, but like they were good enough that I, I could slap some EQ and compression and mix it and just enough so that people got the gist of it. And then I started getting feedback from guys like guys like Brent or guys that I like Alan, the guy that mixed the EP, like he heard it and he's like, this is this is great. I want to mix it. So they were the guys who were kind of made me think like, do it properly. Um, and you need you need drums like you need that feel with this type of music, because if especially if we're going to do like Kemper guitars, if anyone starts to dive into how real our guitars is, there's no, no doubt in my mind that the feel of the drums is so realistic. Um, and that's so important. So we did it at equilibrium, uh, sound in Kitchener. My, my long, long time buddy, Josh Snyder, he's got a wicked console. Uh, he's got an unreal rig, small space. And that's where we set up Brian. Um, and Brian made it just, he brought it from here to like, out of the display yeah. you can't even see my hand that's how that's how much better he made it and and then uh the rest the, that in terms of the drums like i think we just both agreed that this will absolutely work and then alan is so he's just so good at mixing drums like mm-hmm. he's just so good at it <laughs> so it's so hard to, to do two. and it's so hard to get the separation like if i can nerd out a little bit about mixing but like getting the separation totally. between the different elements um, it's one thing to get your kick and your snare slamming and up the middle. And like, I, I think that's, there's enough videos on YouTube about how to do that, that like a lot of people can figure that out. Right. But then like getting yeah. the, the hi-hat to feel like it's to one side, getting the crash symbols to feel like they're one side. And it's not just a huge smeary mess with all the symbols bleeding yeah. into all the other microphones is a real art, man. Like, uh, and it's I, a victory. I still, struggle with it every time i open up a pro tool session so the really really well done on this record for sure it's just, you can just hear where everything is and it just it just sounds great man yeah so like you, you were talking earlier about like how much room we gave brian like how much room the drums have and and whatnot and uh when actually from a production standpoint when we did three-way stop we decided to put the matchless on the left put the friggin angle on the right and then give alan tons of headroom and like space to make the drums awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that like that worked out really well and, and we didn't want to be, I didn't, I was like, we can't just sit there and be like, okay, for this verse, let's take two guitars, pan them left and right. And we'll just like, I'm going to hold this D octave and then you can go and then like, yeah. then we'll do the, double the rhythms and like, it's just too much. Like we, it was too much. Yes. I didn't want to yeah, make yeah. that mistake. And then Alan be like, Hey man, like uh, I know this is our first crack at it. It's super loud and busy. I tried to get squeeze as much out of it without clipping. Blah 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 blah. And uh, we kept it so stripped down and simple that when it worked out and it was mixed so nice and Quinn just mastered it like so nice and crunchy, like everything came out so nice that for the Brotherhood EP, we like spent a little more time, like added added a few more guitars that sustained. And um, Selby, my brother, he's a he's a keyboard wizard. He in Brotherhood, the song we just listened to, he did the 
he has a role in Jupiter and he put in some unreal key voicings that I was like, oh man, like I would have never thought of doing that. But needless mm-hmm. to say, we added more. It was a little more difficult on the second time around to squeeze the mix out the same way as the first because we did add more, not just left and right guitar. It was busier, um, yeah. Way busier. And, and the drums were really, like, really pushed on that. And at the end of the day, two, we did two mix revisions for Three Way Stop. I was like, fuck it. Like, it's great. Let's go. And then for Brotherhood, yeah. we like went in, we did five. You know, we mm-hmm. were like, we yeah. made sure, you know, sometimes you got to, you got to fix that snare. You got to fix that kick and, and whatnot. And Alan is, his ear is, I don't know if you've ever met Alan Podker. I've not. He is so jacked. And if you go to his Instagram, it's just pictures of him. He's a firefighter, super jacked, holding his little baby. And he's like, his arms are bigger than the baby. And like, he's just smiling. Like, I'm Alan. Like, I'm, I'm a firefighter and this is my baby. He's got to be carrying. If you didn't- he sneezes as well. He's carrying that baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you didn't. <laughs> 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 like, and if you didn't, and I make fun of him all the time for this, but like, if you didn't see him back in the day touring the world and like playing in front of 500,000 people in Indonesia on New Year's with these kids were crowns. Uh, like if you didn't know him, then you would not know that the guy goes downstairs into his house and he's got this great clean mixing setup, mixing studio. And he has the ear. I've never met a guy with an ear like his. It's he hears things unlike a lot of guys I know, but he's not out there advertising that he's a mixing engineer. He's a hardcore firefighter. Like he, he, he just, you know, the band, these kids were crowns ended and he kind of went off and just decided I can do whatever I want. And, uh, I don't know, man, it's, it's like that little secret. Like he's like the secret weapon, you know, yeah. it's, he's yeah. so sick, man. But, uh, yeah, he's, and he was the guy who literally was like, Hey, why don't you make me a playlist of your favorite songs ever in this genre? So I made this crazy good playlist. I think it's great because you know, I like good songs Naturally. and uh, there's 25, 25, 25, 30 songs ranging from the nineties till now of like mixes that I really, really loved. And uh, yeah. And he just took it. He just made it like, like that. And yeah, we get a lot of compliments on uh, how well it sounds. And I'm like very flattered and floored because the last thing I thought that this like dad punk rock band would sound, I thought it was going to be just like, that's great, Kyle. Like, How's Muskoka? Good for you. Good you know? hobby. Yeah. 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 You got buddies. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, you're, this is anger. Oh, good thing you're getting your aggression out. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. But like we, <laughs> we get, <laughs> we get guys like, we get guys like, I don't know, guys that I haven't talked to in a while, like that are out on the road with like doing like production for huge bands. They're like, Hey man, like just, just played your EP, like in the green room. And they're like, I didn't like, this is sounds so good. And they're like guys who do that. They make things sound good in the studio. And I was like, it's full, it's full flooring, flattering, flattering. Mm -hmm. I just, all I do is write the songs. (laughs) Yeah. But I say, I, I do say if it sucks though, I say this sucks. If it sucks, like I'm not going to be like, Oh, let's just really, I literally like, I have tough conversations. Like I have to like, Mm -hmm. yeah. But that's especially because you're spending money on it. Right. You don't want to take a shitty song and fucking put it through all the, all the butcher it monies that's the importance that i found of like bringing other people in and and being willing like believing in your own art enough that you're willing to like spend a little bit of money it doesn't have to be like 20 grand you know but bringing in some people that you trust and and 
spending a few hundred bucks on each guy and being like, hey, you know, let's let's do this right and let's like and, and bring in the skill sets of for you, like people like Alan to bring it home right and take it because you're just saying oh i just write the songs and then you know all of a sudden but that's kind of what it takes like you can't do everything all by yourself even if you have the skill set and this is advice that i fail to follow all the time but it's like even if you have the skill set of i can mix i can record myself i can sing i can program drums i can play guitar it's like until you uh open it up to some people that you trust and, and some other skill sets. It's like, that's when it goes to that next level. And then you can look at it afterwards and be like, wow, how do, how did we do this? This never would have happened without the contributions of all these people. And it, and then that's a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be like a selfish thing where it's like, I, I wanted to do this all by myself. It's like, it actually becomes like a beautiful thing when you bring all these other people in. Cause then you have, now you have that shared uh, experience with all these folks as well and you can be like we did this together and and everybody can be proud of what, of what happened right so so relieving it's so it's so en- it's enriching mm. and uh like i think i think what made what made that special is like growing up i was always like just such a hardcore musician like hardcore like i i had no money and music was the only thing i knew and i had that i developed like a young ego like a young ego of like what's good and what isn't and a young ego of like this artist sucks. Like, why would I play for them? Mm. And there was a lot of things that had to be corrected in my twenties. Like I realized like there was, I was so wrong about so many things and my ego, my like negative ego kept me from working with, with like, you know, doing a band in the, in my early twenties, like just hating myself and how my voice sounds and stuff. And, and then when I, that's, that's so, it's so beautiful to, to, to share your songs and have people want to work with you. And then it opens up this whole, like, it's like this, the camaraderie and you feel safe, like a sa- almost like a safety net. And I appreciate a good safety net here and there. Cause not everyone can do stuff on their own. And then it's the ears. Like I find guys, like since we released three way stop, I'll get emails from guys in like, uh, like Chicago and Denver. They're like, Hey, I run a studio here. Why don't you grab the guys fly out here and we'll spend two weeks and we'll make the album. And I'm like, no, uh, you are really like the stuff you've done is really good, man. Like all respect. But like right now I'm in Canada and I have like four or five guys that we're able to affordably do this very well. And when I'm done with it, like when say Brent and I are done with our pro tool session, we ship it off to Alan and that's it. Like he does his thing and then it comes back and we listen and we're like, wow. And then it's in, and then it's in Quinn's hands. And then at one point it's in Josh's yeah. hands. He aligns all the stems and I don't have to sit there in the same room with the same guys for weeks straight. And then you're like, Oh, you're getting tired. And you're like, Oh, sonically your ears get tired and you start thinking like, Oh, like you start fighting. You can't fight the songs. And I, I find that fighting, fighting mixes and fighting recordings is like, it doesn't matter. Like if you already wrote the song and you think the song's good and that's why you're in the studio in the first place, like don't pull audibles, like don't, don't change the direction of the song and try not to like, unless it, you know, unless the part really sucks, just go and record it, like execute it, like Mm -hmm. just go. And then, then yeah. And and that's why, that's why I feel so relieved to, to, to have the recordings we do is because it's, it's actually pretty much out of my hands, but I know it's, I know what's going on and I feel confident in it. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Well said. Yeah. Like if, you know, but if you believe in the song, don't, don't second guess yourself. Like, get in there and get it done and be with a team of people who, who are like-minded in that regard. It's like, we're here to make this work. We're not here to like pick it apart and, 
and make things difficult, you know? And we're all adult, like we're all like seasoned, we're all seasoned players too. Like every guy that works with me, including you guys, like you guys have been around a few blocks musically. And um, there's something to be said about like having a team like this in Canada and doing it and marketing it and releasing it and mixing it and mastering it and not taking a hundred thousand dollars and going to Nashville or LA or, and it's, and I, I'm like one of the biggest advocates of like, be careful with your money. Like you're a musician. So like, if it's not your money and it was like a wedding dowry or inheritance, whatever, like go ahead, go to Nashville, spend all your money and, and let these guys choose for you at whatever rate, of quality they want to give you. And then you come back, Oh, look at all your songs. Like amazing. Not mm-hmm. for guys, not for guys and girls like us that have, that have been playing long enough that like, we're not, you know, we can, we can do something that's, I would say equal to, if not greater, uh, without Especially if you that. spend the time, like you have clearly spent the time on this and you're like mentally invested. It's not like you just like, I wrote the song. Okay. You guys <laughs> fucking, uh, what do you, you know, think? make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Make it sound um, good. Go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go. <laughs> yeah. The the pieces no. are no doubt here. You know, and I, I'm like, you know, if you need to go to the states to do your thing, and that's the way that your project's going to get done, and that's the way that it's going to work best for you, then awesome. Yeah. Go down. There's a lot of great, unbelievably talented people down there. Uh, it's crazy how good people are down there. Like, I've been fortunate. They're, they're to, amazing. Yeah, I've been fortunate to get to go down there and work with people, and it's just like, yeah, this is insanely cool. Um, but the pieces are here as well, so I, I think you're right to say that like, your only option is not spend all the money and go down and work with the A yeah. list. That's what I meant. Down, That's down more south. what I meant. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't mean. I didn't mean like go to Nashville and shit. Like I have friends no. down there who like I could I could never play music with in a room because they're so good. Yeah, and we all do. Yes. I just think that especially if you are a brand new artist and you're like, okay, how do I become a star? And mm-hmm. like someone just like go to Nashville and like take this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just find that that happens a lot with Canadian artists, and I oh feel like God. N- next thing you know, they've spent. Yeah, they've spent almost a million dollars of someone's money with songs that um, maybe they get down there and the person's like, okay, so we were thinking this would be a good song for you. Even though they're working with five other artists and they're like, okay, this would be work for you. Here's today's studio day. And they come back like, this is a song that was written. I wrote it with these people. And I just think you need to be really careful with your... With your mm. with your money, because one day it might not be there. There's and like, definitely, yeah. uh, there's yeah. def- value. <laughs> definitely can yeah. be like a negative kind of machine like process down there, where they're just like, well, this, yeah, and, and it's like, yeah, we'll grab this artist. They'll they'll be into this song, and they'll be down to spend this money and record it. And it's like, do we necessarily believe that this is going to go anywhere? Maybe not. You know what I mean? There's definitely that element, and 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 it would behoove people to be wary of that and i would add to like define your expectations as best you can too for your project right Mm -hmm. like if this is the first Mm -hmm. record you've made if this is your first kick at the can like then it shouldn't be it should not have the budget of you know a top a list like somebody's 20th kick at the can where they have a huge following and there's expectations of radio play and all that stuff. And I think that, and they know what they're doing. Yeah. And I think that yeah. people get ahead of themselves real quick. They're like, Oh, well, if you know, 
my songs aren't going to get rate on radio unless I go and and yeah. and spend all this money on it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, your song's yeah. still not going. Or unless this guy's name is on it. Yeah. Like unless this guy's yes. name is on it, he's going to show and, it to his buddies. Yeah, yeah, and his buddies are going to like are going to put this thing, and then like this person's going to go to this party, and then they're going to like maybe get me on that management label, and then next thing you know, like I have play in the states and in Canada, and I'm just like, yeah, why don't we start with why don't we start with like do I come over to my house? We'll demo some songs, show some f- people like right next door in this Canadian industry or whatever. Like yeah. if you live in Nashville and you've lived there your whole life, yeah, walk down the street, yeah. have Why a drink you? with this guy, but don't, don't break yourself with the allure. The allure is what's scary is like, it's yes. scary. And there's a lot of people who don't, who are very good artists and write their own songs who don't have any money and can't do that. And I just think like, we need to believe, we need to believe in our Canadian industry. It's just punk rock. What I'm putting together. It's just fuck. It's just fucking rock and roll. That's maybe a little louder and faster than, than what's on the radio. I'm not saying that if I was to go and do the same thing with country, that it would be, that it would work. I'm not saying that I would probably be like, Hey, you know, who do I know that's been to Nashville and back that's yeah. back and forth that might, you know, I would still tap into all those resources. I just think if that's the same got, workflow though. Like, like yeah. would work. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I feel like in any industry, like if you're doing like rap, it's like, Oh yeah, I got to get fucking Drake's beat maker to make me a beat. It's like, well, there's <laughs> tons of people. Yeah. Like it's like, there's tons of people in Toronto that make, you know, beats that are really good. And you know, maybe yeah. there's someone who's like on their way up. I mean, the thing that, that resonated with me is just that idea, like, when people are like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to spend a bunch of money on this, and that's what's going to make it great. It's like, do you don't think that Doesn't everybody hasn't thought that at the beginning? Like, literally every <laughs> artist I've, yeah. like, ever seen has been like, well, you know, if you just spend a bunch of money on this, then it's going to be great. And if I work with this guy, it's going to be great. And it's like, no. Like it, it doesn't work yep. that way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've, I've had, I've those unfortunate experiences. And I like, I'm not here to complain about it because I love, I'm very fortunate to be a musician, a working musician, but I've yeah. had those times where I've had to give feedback to an artist where they want to like, they want to like chop how much they spend on a band with no rehearsals, no production, but they'll, but they had this guy in Nashville say these are your four songs come on down one day we'll sing all your vocals everything's already recorded now give me 60 yep. grand US and then you come back to yes. Canada like oh I have no money man I have no money like why don't we just like do it acoustic or why don't we get like my bar band that I play covers with sometimes they'll come play instead of these really good players or yeah. and I just find that like you just wish you just wish you could like bring that person right back down because someone at some point told them you're going to be a star bud and you're not if you do like, this. You're, you're, it's not just going to happen and the songs are okay but like let's work on like how you are how do you connect with people when you sing like how do you perform and you could have like a like a ton of I, a good example of this is like Chris Barkley because Chris Barkley didn't have a bunch of songs out he was the absolute king of country covers and but when you see Chris Barkley play live people get so stoked he didn't yes. even, he went and, rec- he, you know what, he did it all in due time and process and didn't rush mm-hmm. anything. And I, I love where he's going now. That It's that type yeah. of, pro- just take your time and be patient. And I didn't yeah. mean to Don't make this to about like, rungs. country, but yeah, stop yeah. skipping the yeah. rungs and just like, guys, take your time and enjoy it. Like be a player, be a musician, be an artist. Don't be yeah. a star, be an artist. Just try yeah, to like yeah, yeah. create and yeah, enjoy it man like enjoy it what do you want Instead out of this aside from enjoying it do you want people to like worship you like do you want people yeah. to be like you're a, 
don't know. It's it's a tough you start a fine call line. If you want worshippers, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, right. yeah, easy, yeah. easy peasy. You should just start. <laughs> yeah, I've said that. You should uh, you should just start a cult if this is if this is what you want. But, if this you know. is what you want, I mean, you can easily you can pivot crease rule to a cult pretty easily. <laughs> it kind of sounds a little uh, culty. The name, the name. <laughs> this is the crease rule. Hoo ha! The crease. Hoo ha! You know that. Bruno, we were talking earlier about the crease rule. Like, you you don't know what that is? I don't know what that is because I don't watch sports. It's the so, worst. Back in 1999, Brett Hall scored the cup-winning goal on Dominic Hasek on the of the Buffalo Sabres with his foot in the crease. So they were game seven, overtime, and Brett Hall scored this goal. And crowd, like, they, were in Buff- they were in Buffalo. So they, it was just like... The, it was out, total outrage because there was a rule where if your foot's in the crease before the puck, the goal should be called back. So for like, okay. since 1999, the city of Buffalo has been just a big old group of jaded hockey fans, angry at the NHL, angry about everything. And I just think it's such a funny thing because the crease rule, like when you say the crease rule, you're like, oh, it's like a, it's like a metaphor or an understanding of something. And then it's actually a literal rule that was in hockey back in the day. And I yeah. just, that's kind of how I named the band. But yeah, to this day, the city of Buffalo is still so rattled about the crease rule. Is it they got rid of it the next year. No, it's not a thing anymore. Really? Uh, but yeah, now there's a lot a of more like goalie interference kind of stuff. So if you're, yeah, in- the trap is right behind the net. Yeah. Right. I, uh, yeah, that- it is cool that the band is like, like it's, it's, you can tell it's Canadian. Cause I find that a lot, yeah. In a lot of music, there's not like a Canadian sound or Canadian lyrics. Like I'm trying to think of bands that have that. Like the Tragically Hip have Canadian sounding stuff, but it's yeah, like it's cool that it, you can tell you like Arkells, yeah, yeah, Arkells, yeah, 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 or like the Dirty No, like very. They write stuff that seems very, very Canadian. I, I was diff, I was kind of on the fence at first because I was worried about being put into this this little box of all those like. Warp Tour bands that have hockey teams as their logos and stuff, and I eventually yeah. said, "Fuck it!" Like I am, I am such a big hockey fan. Like I've been watching hockey my whole life, and I play music. I've been doing the best of two both Canadian worlds, two defining yeah. characteristics. So I'm like, I'm gonna call it the crease. Where I'm gonna be one of those. At first, people might be like, "Oh, they're like a puck punk puck rock or a skate hockey punk, <laughs> whatever." <laughs> skate hockey. I don't care. Yeah, but I, I'm like, okay, that's why I actually, with Brotherhood, like I put like the rink on the front to get it out of my system. Yep. I wrote a song called Brotherhood about playing on the rink, get it out of my system, because yep. there's like, there's so much more to come in the future. I'm just going to keep recording with this band until I can't anymore, until my fingers have arthritis, because yeah. it's not something that I feel the pressure to succeed with. It's just going to be continual sharing of as honest Creativity. as I can be stories. Yeah, yeah just loud, yeah. honest. That's it, man. Like, but yeah, the hockey stuff will eventually, like, I think it's, I got it out of my system now. It's still going to oh, be called okay. the crease It's going roll, away? I like it, though, I'm not, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's kind of fun, eh? But, like, I'm still going to be Canadian, but there's going to be less of that, like, <laughs> I don't you know. You feel as desperate to, to get your Canadian out. In, in if you don't like hockey, you won't like the crease rule. Like, I don't want it to become <sighs> one of those things. Cause, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, Most I, of the yeah. songs aren't about hockey, but... You know, I, it's I, I think it's like a nice flavor to have in there. Like, I don't think it's not really hitting me over the head when I'm listening to the no, the no music. No. But you can yeah. tell that it's, you know, you catch the odd lyric or whatever, and you're like, all right, these guys are like, there's a Canadian 
Canadian boys. That's okay though. You know, it's like okay that. to be yeah. yourself. <laughs> I think that's what like it takes, that's what takes us 30 or 40 years of being alive to realize for some of us, it's like, it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to put music. Is, yeah. out that's like, this is who I am. This is what I like. You know, I think a lot of people attack the music industry from an angle Everybody's got an angle. They're like, this Ooh. is going to work if I do this because I saw this person do it and it worked for them. And I think I can probably do it too, you know? And that's it's super Machiavellian in that sense. Bird. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's everybody wants to attack it from an angle. And it, so infrequently does that work because, you know, it's like a scheme. Like everyone's like yeah. sitting there, like in their dungeon, like <laughs> yeah. throwing things in a cauldron and then what I'll do is uh, I'll do it at one fifty nine a.m. on the Tuesday instead of like the Friday when that other artist did it or like, you know, release it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just this whole thing. Like, and that's going to make me famous. And it's going to go viral. And if you, it's gonna go I viral. mean, if you look at a Sorry. lot of artists that are really doing it, it's like th- this is th- it feels authentic to me. Right. Like when I hear the Arkells come out with a new song and like for my money, they're one of the biggest bands in canada going right now like i don't i don't know I don't amazing read band the, i don't read the i don't read the charts i don't read the forbes like i don't you know what i mean like i don't know any of that stuff but they feel like forbes. canada to me and they feel like a massive thing like when they put out a new song that's everybody's paying attention and it's yeah. feels authentic to me every time so i believe it i don't i'm not listening being like they're yeah. a Canadian band. Um, I I've been working on a documentary with with uh, their film crew. Where like I've got to see firsthand how Canadian these guys are. They are community fighters. Like they're from Hamilton. They fight. They fight for for what is just right and from the heart. And like it's it's amazing to hear the music because when the music comes out, there's like a lyrical content to it that takes you on that takes you on like a from start to finish storyline. And I think that's I I appreciate all songwriting that has a little bit of that literal, like literal sense. It's good to write in metaphor. It's good to write, to give people the sense of like, you know, Oh, the, my, my tap in my kitchen sink, that's the uh, money coming out of my pocket. It's a metaphor or whatever. Yeah. Right. But writing literally sometimes with a little bit of attitude and a little bit of like realism and the content being like Canadian or being like, this is what we all go through. And people are like, Oh man, Man, yeah. oh, me too, bro. That just sums up my Friday night in nineteen or two thousand two, like to a T, when I broke up with this person, and mm-hmm. that's where I find it special. This song and is there, clearly about this instead of interpretation. There's always um, in a writing set, not always, but often in a writing session, it's like, okay, we've got this concept, and we kind of know what this song feels like it's about and stuff, and it's just like we just need something to ground it. We need to talk about an actual thing. We're talking about a lot of feelings right yeah. now. We're talking about a lot of like whatever. And it's just like, we like, can you, can you talk about the chair that's in the room? Or can you talk about like, yeah, the, we need an object. We need a, we need something to grow. Why is this, this, why is this so real? abstract? Why are these feelings yeah. so abstract? And why can't we rein it in to let like the average human and that's no offense to anyone like we are all average humans but just to get yeah. like any guy who's just listening to be like you know like give him oh, a yeah. visual just give him the visual mm. like there is no visual on on your heart there is no visual yeah. you just know how it feels right so yeah um, and like um yeah, and like what's it, like bob cajun by the tragically hip like 
That's a pretty good Lock example. Down. Hell yeah. They, they, there's or, a lot of... Di- or Fiddler's Green. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of like direct references to here's like a thing in Toronto or whatever. And like people connect to that, right? The overall storyline of the song is not harmed by that. In fact, it's enhanced because people can actually relate to um, something in the song directly. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are trying to pull like a Shania Twain or like a Justin Bieber where you can kind of just be like, I don't even think of Justin Bieber as like Canadian or like Shania Twain as Canadian. You know, it's like ambiguous. You know, it is they would never ambiguous. mention their Canadianness. Oh, Bieber does on his song. more no. re- recent stuff. Justin yeah. Bieber. Thank does. God. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, he does. JB. Uh, yeah. Thank God that he did that. I, I, I you know, it's, for years, no one would know. He was just so huge. Stardom was so, so serious that like you didn't really, you didn't talk about Stratford or whatever. Yeah. And I, I went, I went through that in January. When we like so so like I wrote this road rage song about Bowmanville. Like I grew up in Bowmanville, and I wrote the song called Three Way Stop, and it's literally right around the corner from my house, and it's a three way stop that's super dangerous that people get in car accidents at all the time. So for years, if you know, you know. Like if you're from Bowmanville and you're like part of the musician group that walked through the creek with backpacks full of beer, you know you're going to see an accident at this three way stop in Bowmanville. It's just the way it goes. So I wrote the song like just one day out of frustration because I was trying to like get the sound. I'm like, what does punk rock sound like to me if I was to do it like my favorite band? So I just wrote through your stop. No big deal. Didn't think about it. And then we recorded it, released it as the first song just for whatever fucking reason. And it is such a literal song about dealing with this three way stop. Um, But like people, people made it. Like people immediately listened to it and like next thing you know, like six eighty news and like global national were like calling me for interviews and like I get, I like kinda handed the interviews off. Everyone everyone in the band got their own interview, like to talk about the three way stop and they're like, Do you think it's dangerous? Like, do you think there's a problem with the council Bowmanville Council and like what are they doing about it? Should we put a round roundabout in? And everyone took it so literally because it's like such a literal song that I started to get kind of like I started to be like, it's just a road rage song. It was about me being pissed off that I have to go through it to get to work or to get to my girlfriend. And I remember being young and angry. That was what I was going with. And it turned into this like huge literal brigade of, it was yeah. crazy, man. And I was like, I did not want the song to become this, but it did. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm stoked for the Spotify spins and I'm stoked for people buying it and watching the video. But at the end of the day, like how do you combine the, the thing that, Al, like you said, the thing that grounds you, the, the, the visual concept or like the literal thing, and then the feelings and put the feelings all over this literal thing. Take them on that journey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 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 That's my story about three. Well, and it's, it's funny how like a song can become something you didn't expect too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it takes totally. on it can, <laughs> songs become. And this is a conversation that you and I had actually a couple of years ago when you were sort of chatting about wanting to get this project going and and you alluded to this earlier, actually. You were saying, you know, you just got your songs in your head and maybe you're making demos. You're not showing them to anybody. Um, and and, and f- what I feel is once you start sharing the music, it beca- that's when it becomes real, right? That's when, like, people, uh, y- you know, if you're playing it with a band or if you've, you know, shared it with a few people or if you've released it on Spotify or what have you, it's like, okay, now these songs are real. Now, uh now I have this song called Brotherhood. People know how it goes. People, you know, it, it's now it's a real thing because people are talking about it. And then what can happen, which is freaky, is like it can go to a place that you didn't foresee, 
before that, right? It can be, it, it, it's just, now its own thing. It's like, you know, you created this child or whatever and you're just putting it out into the world and now it's going to do stuff it has a mind you, of its own yeah. like it does what it wants you're, it's going to do stuff that yeah. you didn't expect people are going to react to it in ways that you didn't expect it's going to affect your career in ways that you didn't expect like how many artists have you heard of that put a song out or like the song barely made the record and they were like yeah, we don't even think this is good, and then it becomes a number one. That story is and all the time, all over the place, always. You know, and so yeah. these songs are more than just what you uh, think they are, or what you created once you share them with with other people, right? And so that's a great example of, yeah, it's like all of a sudden it turned into this huge, like you know, shitstorm for this the huge for the. Uh, you know the council in in Bowmanville or overthrowing the Bowmanville right? council. <laughs> oh, I, I like I like I gave my opinion on one thing. I was like, you should have put a roundabout in years ago, and and I don't care what anyone says. Like I've seen so many car accidents here, and everyone knows that, right? And then this guy from city council like called my parents' house. He's like, does Kyle live here? And I want to discuss this whole roundabout business that he was <laughs> talking about on to stirring and, and, up trouble. Yeah. yeah, my mom's like, no, like he like he's in Toronto, like he doesn't live here, and he's like, what? He's not even from. No, no, he like lived here his whole life. It's not a lie. Like all that stuff's real, and it became a thing. <laughs> I also found that like I had this like heavy serious exposure to good songwriters over my over my career as like a jobber, um, and like I got to work with such a such a plethora of like studio guys and like performers and like backed up guys who I felt I respected. Like holy crap, dude! Like you wrote the song and. I think that took me to this level of like, I always wanted that. Like I always want to write. So I always wanted to write good songs. I always wanted to write good songs. And the saddest part is like, I just got blinded by how big country and pop was. And I thought, I always thought that like the best songs are going to be, those are going to be country songs or the best songs are going to be pop songs. I couldn't get that out of my head. I thought that I'm never going to, I'm never going to be able to share my stories and they're not going to be good because when I grab my acoustic and try to, be part of country or be like a synth pop guy. Like it just never fucking works. I sound terrible. Yeah. I have to write for someone else maybe, or maybe I'll like do this, this and this. It took me like, it took me taking like punk rock songs and then making it like punk rock people. Some guys are like, Oh, that riff sick. Or like, Oh, that did. Oh, that's my favorite part. And I'm like, there's those guys. And then you can cater to them and feed that, feed that love of like the riff. And then there's the people who are like, man, that was like a really well-written song. And I was like, what's your, like, what's your favorite part? And they're like, well, I don't really remember too much of the riffs. I just remember that like hook. And then I think to myself, oh my God, like maybe it can be done. Like maybe you can write really good songs and people who don't listen to punk rock might be interested, maybe might be interested in it. Like, I don't know. It's not about yeah. that for me. I just, I just want to share the songs, but to, to be able to bridge these two me's like these me, this resentful, I can't write songs cause I'm not a country guy. And then me loving riffs, meeting at, and then putting a roof over my head musically. Yeah. Not, not financially, just like. Yeah. My, my, <laughs> okay, my, I was about to say, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, all right. Just oh, so that's clear. how you like have a house in Moscow. No. <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, you, you, know, you, you pay for it with punk rock? Yeah, you punk rock pays punk the rock bills. Punk rock pays. You know what, though? I will say, I didn't expect this, but, but monthly since January, I've been able to just bait just enough we've got just enough in streaming to go back into like a drum day and a mastering. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So seven months, seven songs, just enough to like cover my like modest budget. And I think that that's what matters is just that we can keep doing it. I don't care yes. if it makes 10 cents. I just want 
someone in the world to kind of level with me and be like, man, I, I think I went through that too. And that makes you feel like you're not alone. And I think that's what's, that's what it is cr- to create music guys is just like not to let people feel like you're not alone there, bud. Like I got you. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Thanks. Very well said. <laughs> I yeah. haven't talked to anyone in a while. It's been like, I'm up here in the, in the woods. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, work, <laughs> I work with a few carpenters and we just like, we build custom cottages and, and there's only like two or three of us on site. There's some quiet moments, right? And yeah. they're not big music guys either. So we listen to like, rock 95 and Barry and we listen to like it's like smoke on the water all day so it's like there's not a lot of you can't really nerd out with with them love them but you can't (laughs) yeah fair enough yeah um can we talk about the vocals a little bit we've kind of we danced around it a bit like I think your voice sounds great and uh listening especially for this like I mean you could tell that this genre is you which is so <laughs> awesome, right? Yeah. To hear somebody just coming out with a record and you're like, "Yeah, man, this is this is this is what they're supposed to be doing." So, like um can we just nerd out vocally a little bit like like training lessons, like technique? D- did you study a lot about singing or are you just like the I just want to sound like these bands and I started you know, cuz when mm. I started singing, I was just like I just want to sing and I want to sound like this guy. And I just started yelling into a mic. And then eventually I went to college and like had, you know, people try to take all that away from me and teach me proper technique, which was good. But then I had to like rediscover, you know, what got me started. And so there was this whole journey. Like, did you go through any of that or I, I, I did. Uh, My mom's an organist. Mm. So she like direct, she directs the choir at church and when I was young, I'd go hang like, well, she does choir practice. I go hang up at the organ with her. And I really liked choirs because I I felt like I've always been like, a, I'm a little more like I'm, um, I guess I'm a shy guy. I am a shy when I'm performing. Like I sometimes like look down when I'm playing guitar and like, yeah. don't look at me, don't judge me. And yeah, yeah. choirs gave me that sense, that sense of stability. So I learned really quickly, like how to fit into a choir and build and stack with my voice. But I never developed... I never developed like that courageous, like lead singer voice. So over the years I fit in really well, just like singing harmonies. And when I recorded stuff, I would very quickly like stack oohs and ahs and um, like get into the math of it and just like make it work. And I thought that if I, you know, I'm, I'm driving in my car as a kid, like, I would just sing harmonies over everything, just like very aggressively. I would never sing the melody because every time I did, I'd be like, why is it off? Like, oh no, it's not the same. It doesn't sound like the lead singer. And I'm like, don't just sing a harmony. And it's your own unique way of looking like you're a good musician. And like, I had this bad mentality that you should never try. And Kyle, like you are always your lane. Yeah. Stay in your lane, bro. And like everyone I worked with over the years, like in, in Toronto and whatever, like touring, I could always offer my hand as like a guy who could sing harms or, or show someone what that harmony would be, whether I'm doing it or not. And then when it came down, the funny part about like, when you go into the studio, sometimes you have to, there's those expenses, these expenditures on like, well, we need to get like a steel player and we need to get a banjo player and like country or whatever genre you need to get a backup singer. And we need someone to do some oohs and ahs. Like, can we get them in for the day? Like, don't forget about his wage and stuff. And I've been able to cut a bunch of corners out with that because like when i'm done um once i figured out that when i sing i can really if i just push like just push from here and and then uh, like just add a little bit of that i can hit any note i want i actually realized holy crap i can hit most of the notes i want to hit and it's good enough 
But then once I quiet my voice down, there's just this lump in the middle. So there's my up here intense. I can hit anything. And then once I quiet down and use my head, I guess you would call it head voice. Like Al, you, you, you're one of the best, you're one of the best harmony guys I've ever met. Like that sweet voice, that sweet spot. Like I've always like, I've always tried to revel in that and make it the best it can be. But there's this, Hey Kyle, like play that song for me. How does it go? There's that lump in the middle where I'm like, I'll sing and I won't be able to like hold a note. It'll just like, it'll just falter off key. And I started, it was very discouraging. So now that it works with punk rock where I can sing up here, as soon as I'm done leads, I go just right into harmonies. I do all the harmonies, all the high ones right away. Like it takes me less time to do the harmonies than it does to do the leads. Like it takes me less time to stack ooze. And then I get a couple people in, do the gangs. And then I'm like, I feel like, I feel like I'm uh, like a band teacher where I'm like, I do like the, I count them in with this. And, like <laughs> okay. this. and then yeah. Josh, Josh will be behind the board. Like we do, we do all the vocals and drums in Kitchener. Okay. And then, then I go to North Bay and do the guitars with Brent. That's where Brent lives. So when we do all the stuff in Kitchener, just the raw stuff, uh, we get around the space and like Josh is basically like, he knows that I'm going to get a little weird and he, he just like hits R and, just like resets hits like he just controls the board and he i'm just like okay everyone and i do the whole thing and (laughs) so now we're going to do a whole take of this note hold it with me okay now we're going to do a whole take of this and this and i get right into it and then we're done and then the end result is is like that saved me that saved me paying like i don't know a really good singer to come in and do it or whatever like i yeah. I can, I, you know, I can do the harms better than I can do the leads. And then, uh, finding my key is pretty, pretty intense. Cause I can't just sing in any key. Like sometimes I'll get, I don't know how good my range is, but I, I can't sing as high as you, Al. <laughs> I can't, oh, I try and you, you've got a, a lot of different, like, uh, timbres and the range is huge. Like you can do the lower stuff. You can do the, like, see, I've never been able to get the <laughs> yeah. highest, higher scream stuff. Like, that's what I want to be able to do. Everybody wants what they do, what they don't have, right? It's like, but it's like, that's exactly. Ah, you take, ah, like, you got to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so break it open. I, you know, and I've been, I, I've been trying to figure it out lately. But it's just, I, it, it it's, it's sweet that you have that, and I want to, I want to get it. So please tell me how. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. You got you got to be more like, uh, you got to be more like less regrets about how consecutively you drink whiskey, yeah, like right. straight whiskey. You got to take, mo- you got to take months and months, just drink whiskey every, every day in small amounts. Smoke and cigarettes. just Yeah. Yell at the dogs, yell at the chipmunks, yeah. yell at yeah, things yeah, just yeah. arbitrarily and get in fights with people in the lineup at the grocery store, just verbal <laughs> arguments about social distancing. And you got to be that guy. Uh, yeah. Conflict creates a horsey er, voice. Yeah. No, I don't think it does. But, say- but I think, <laughs> having a voice like i never had a voice like i didn't i didn't like my voice so i never knew that it i never knew that it had like its own thing like i always wanted to sound like the best guys i played with like oh well it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like him so like he's pretty much look at how successful he is and people are listening to his stuff like it must be i must need to try and find find that but then i listened to some of my favorite bands and i realized like they are who they are because that guy had a kind of maybe a unique voice. Like it was mm. a little different than the status quo. And I'm not saying that my voice is like so unique and like so special, but I found a way to kind of make it work for me where I don't feel completely yeah. angry listening to myself. So that's the thing. I think it's just finding a way to make it work. Whatever it is. It's like Neil Young. It's like, I mean, like 
I love his voice, but if he wasn't doing that thing, it'd be kind of weird, you know? Mm-hmm. You're he right. He's in a metal band. <laughs> How weird is it, man? The day after I saw you at Motion Ball this year, this past year, like yeah, the yeah, two yeah, days, yeah. two days later, COVID hit. Like it was like so scary. All this stuff happened, but I saw you like that was the last time I saw you was right when that happened. Like that night, pretty much yep. they were talking about. Yeah. So weird. Okay. Anyways, back to what you were saying. <laughs> you were dressed um, so nicely. I'll never forget. <laughs> we were at a busy thing. That was the problem. The, like the thing is we were at a busy thing. I was right in a crowd. You know, you were in the yeah. crowd and you were like, you, you were know, doing like this. You were doing like the p- dance and doing the pistols. People were watching you, man. Oh, the, the fucking pistols. <laughs> that is my I, move. <laughs> and I was wearing a t-shirt. We came from a leaf game. I forgot my suit. I'm like, we need yes. to play. I was dressed so not casual. It was embarrassing. Like everyone was dressed so I, nice. To and be I was, honest, I didn't even know what the thing was that we were playing. You know, like I was like, what oh. is, is this? Is this <laughs> it, like I rolled up and I'm like, this is like a nice venue. It's a gala. You it's know? a full like, out gala. Yeah. yeah. I've you seemed a little gala. deer in headlights though. You look good, but like, yeah, you seem oh, very I was, like, I was just like, oh, hey man. Just sitting here. This? There are other bands <laughs> on the couch. Oh, what are these guys? I'm just over here on the couch couch it was good uh, they had yeah, a man. green room that had a couch i was happy about it <laughs> and an, o- and an and open diet, bar coca-cola yes uh, they did have an open bar but i was driving it's uh, bullshit uh, gotta, li- gotta live in toronto though yeah you gotta live in toronto bro can we chat real quick because uh, we are we are running out of time i gotta do i gotta i gotta be out of here in a bit but uh uh Respect. and so does mike but um yeah, so the marketing side of things, you've sort of alluded to that a little bit, and I'm curious what your approach is to market the project and what your expectations were when you said Because everybody says, oh, it's like, I don't care about the, you know, I just want to make music. And, that, and that's true, and that's great. But I think it's also important to have expectations about how you're going to market it in a strategy. And I think you have a very good mind for that. And I'm curious to pick your brain on what that side of it was for you. I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like taint the songs and the, I didn't want to taint the kind of like organic nature of them. And so I tried a very like kind of an organic approach to mm-hmm. like marketing it. And I have uh, I have a uh, really, really sweet employee at my at KLH, like the company I kind of run the small business and his name is Jaden. And he's a, he's from up here in Muskoka. Actually, we met last year and him and I got together and just like kind of decided what we're going to do as an internet band, how we're going to market this and where I'm not going to spend money and where I'm not going to care about what people that. think. Mm-hmm. And we just, yes, he is that. very smart about how he reaches out to people in different cities internationally. And we, so I, I, first thing I said is, um, I definitely want to like upload the songs to streaming and like, you know, call, reach out, get get on some playlists and try our best to make that happen. But first of all, like I don't want to, for the next six months, I don't want to release a song without a video, no matter what not just going to release and I'm not going to release a, cl- a collection of songs. We're going to just release, even though I released three at once, I released three way stop as a single. So I was like, until we do anything else, it'll just be singles after this little three song EP. So I made a video, uh, uploaded the video to Facebook and to YouTube. And then the song got on a bunch of pretty cool playlists. Uh, and, but we did it. We, uh, we do like the nice big email blast. I took like a list of people that I've known for like, since 2009 that I've met in Toronto, like Canadian and Vancouver and not as many, I don't know as many American industry peeps. They kind of discovered the band through whatever, but like mostly just Canadian industry people who are, I'm like, Hey, like, how you doing? You still kicking? Great. Like here's our, we made a meet a nice media kit, 
very clean looking, like here are the songs, here's everything. We did that kind of traditional route that any management company would do. And I just immediately said like, I will not like, I will not buy followers. I will not buy streams. I will not get some company in Dubai to like sit there and click over and over on my YouTube video because the last thing I want is for these like things that like, all, I don't know, thinking back on the stories themselves that how much it kind of makes me friggin' cry. Like there's some of this, I don't want to ruin that. Like, I don't want to take this, like make this fake wall in front of us. So Jaden and I literally did grassroots reach out, like it, very grassroots. Mm-hmm. And I, I, fir- I firmly believe that if, that if the product's good enough and the songs are good enough, then you can do a nice slow marathon. Nice and slow. Get a few yeah. followers. Every time we release something, we get a couple hundred followers, and that's all I care about. I care that the people that are actually following the band, when I send a blast out or when I post a picture, that they are like, fuck yeah, man. The, the crease rule's doing this. Not like, I don't, I really just don't give a shit about being internet obsessed with your, with your yeah. product. Like, you know what I mean? I want mm. people to enjoy it. So that goes back to me saying, like, Jade, so Jaden does a lot of the, ins and outs internets and friggin' hashtags. He finds things that appropriately would suit our band and our, and our kind of whatever. And we reach out organically say hello and say like, dude, your tunes are great. I, I try to handpick bands that I think are really good bands in the punk rock rock scene and see if they'd be down to like one day, maybe we come out to Edmonton and hang with you. Cause your songs are great and do that. It's all that, but it helps to have this nice big moving train from the product, from the song, from the people spinning it. Like that word of mouth is so much more important than me spending a thousand dollars on four or five different graphics. And just like, listen to this. Hey, like, Hey, listen to the band. Sponsored content. You really got to watch how you do that. I've done it. Like I've, uh, on a launch day for, for sitting ducks during COVID, uh, one of the other videos, drink alone. We made a video. Every song I make a video, when we launch it on Facebook, I'll toss 20 bucks just to get the ball rolling right off mm-hmm. the bat. Just toss 20 yeah, bucks yeah. and for that day kind of thing. Right. But aside from that, once you get your community sharing it, it just spread. I just want to spread from a community base. Like I don't really care. It's a blessing that people listen to it in Chicago. And we we got on like iHeartRadio in on the Western U S seaboard there's like a punk channel on i art radio and i think yeah, that's yeah. so cool but i wasn't like you know i i really didn't spend a lot of money on that i think it's just more organic so i market the band as good canadian boys who just love sharing loud honest stories like just i keep love it very... the good canadian boys part. yeah yeah that's are. what i was saying before like do not lose that that's like one of the not. best parts about it yeah we will uh, not man one of the things that it kind of sounds like too is like I, this is what I've heard on from what I've read about like advertising stuff online in general too. It's like more important to have a select few that are passionate than it is to be like, I have like 10,000 followers. It's like, if you have a thousand followers that are just like, this band's the shit. And every time they do something, I'm going to go watch it and support it. It's like way so more special. It, and it's yeah. so, and it's, yeah. it's so special. So much like, better. Yeah. And, and that, that says that like, we uh, when we released three way stop in January, we did a February, uh, late January. We did our like EP release, and it was the first show Chris Rovo play, ever played. I had like ten shows lined up all through spring and winter. Then COVID hit, but we got our one show in, and I was it was at Handlebar uh, in Kensington Market. I don't know if you've ever been there. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe I have. 
So it was one of it was one of those things where I had a good option. I had options for lots of venues. I had like we were going to do. I could have gotten into D's, Sinky D's. Could have done it at Hard Luck. Could have done it at like uh, the Piston. Uh, could have done it at the uh, where Al. Where'd you do yours again? The Pilot. The Pilot. Um, yeah. There were a few spot. Yeah, great venue. But mm-hmm. there were a few options, right? And uh, we went with Handlebar. Uh, because it's small, but it was like a hundred and it was a hundred and fifty cap, hundred and fifty cap, nice long bar. They were doing a uh, brewery. The, this one brewery was doing a tap takeover. They were not big in the city. They're from uh, Whitby. What are they called? What are they uh, called? They were is doing it paddles. Uh, no, the other one. No, oh, uh, Brock Street Brewery. Town, town, town. So ta- town oh, brewery was doing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 They were doing a big Toronto push. They're like, we want to do a show in Toronto. So they came and did a tap takeover. But I'm still sitting there like, okay, this is brand new. Keep your expectations low. Do not. No one's going to come. There's probably going to be like 20 people here. And that's fine because we're still going to play so loud in the stage. It's a corner stage. There's like three guitar players. It was so like awkward and uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> right before we went out, I hadn't had beers in like weeks. I was sober, like just doing the crease roll, trying to make it make sure it works. And I was like, so like even a beer. Because I care about it, right? I was like, oh, it's pure. Like, yeah. I care about it. Um, and then I, I went out like for a walk to get a sub, and I came back, and the place, they had to they had to call a security guard to come and, like, hang at the bar because they were, like, 40 over capacity. So we were at, like, a buck 80. And wow. I don't know what it was. And I'm not – and that's not me bragging. That was me more being, like, see, like, the people who like it like it, and they want to come and watch it. And I yeah. was – that's all I could ask for. And I got super nervous, and I had, like, I had like four pints in, like, half an hour. And that, for me, like, not drinking for weeks, I got on stage, man, couldn't hear a thing in my monitors, so I just started doing the whole set, like <laughs> – I, like, I was, like, screaming all the lyrics. Uh, it didn't clear out, thank God, but there were people that showed up that, I'd like, I'd never met before, and they were, like – it was such a – it was so cool to see, like, to feel that feeling when we were younger, like, being part of, like, a like a rock community, like, a small community of, like, music. Yes. It just was so important, man. Like, it's just so vital to – it's so vital to, like – getting older and being a musician and being an artist. It's so important to have that. Mm-hmm. So it worked out. <laughs> the connection, okay. the original connection to music. Cause I, to some extent, I've definitely lost that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I'm a professional musician now, but like the, the reason why I got into music is like so obscured, you know, like, Ugh, so it's cool right? that you've rediscovered that. And that's um, all I wanted to do, man. I hit 30, had a really, really, really rough 2019. Uh, like, health wise or a lot of bad stuff happened and i came out of it like i just need to write songs i just need to write songs and i don't care i've made it work this long like i don't care if between 30 and 40 my life falls apart i made it to 30 and i'm still alive and yeah you made it past 27 buddy there you go right there yeah Yeah. you're right but it's cool man man. (laughs) i yeah i've uh i've enjoyed it and like i just enjoy i enjoy like collaborating now like verbally with people on how to make it, what's next. Like, oh, it's so fun to cook up songs and ideas and, yes. and just hearing good musicians, good musicians that I respect, talk to me about it and ask me like, hey, what'd you do here? Or something like that. That is such yeah. a validating feeling, man, because I have never been a good, <laughs> I have never been a good side guy. I have been the guy that plays G chords and sometimes does harms, but like no one ever calls me and they're like, hey man, like I was told to call you because you're a sick guitar player or Hey man, I was heard you're like the best at bass in the, in Toronto or Hey man, like you're this and that and this. Never. I was always a guy who could just kind of go and do whatever and whenever I got jobs, I got jobs. But there you know, it's it felt good to like when you have songs that you're proud of 
and you pull it all together, like at least I could be like, well, I have the crease roll, I guess. That's kind of cool. So Yeah, and you, you found know. what what your thing is. You know, it's exactly. like, oh, mm-hmm. like this is this is me. Isn't that what we're all doing, um, you know? I think Isn't so. that why we I'm, I'm my thing is uh Getting you up know, at ten we AM. to call you because your brother's a really good guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard, you know many times I'm like, who's on the gig? And they like try to remember which one. They're like, the guy with the the better one with the Hawaiian shirts. The better one? No, no, I'm just <laughs> no, no. Fucking no, no, Will no. Hems. Yeah, fucking <laughs> fuck no, you. Well, you got, I, what are the? There was this one thing. Um, the, this one did do did like it was during a like a cover show and he's like ah oh, you know we're gonna do a solo introduction for everyone in the band and his solo <laughs> introduction was just talking about my brother oh my god it was the best uh, and this guy plays for amanda marshall has played for this and this is his brother yeah give it up for his brother man that's for will has his brother oh will has his br- that's so funny my man. self-esteem my self-esteem uh, is just i think that's you're okay great, though we're yeah you're a great I, you guitar know, player I, I i do my thing like you're I, a better I, guitar I'm, player I'm, than i am <laughs> my thing is the same. same thing i'm still trying to figure out my my niche you know like yeah. it's like I, I play keys and you know i've been doing a lot more production and you know uh i got an only fans no, <laughs> that's my new thing <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna hype a, a, a non-existent OnlyFans. I've got an OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> that's just my like, thing. Just like, <laughs> lots of pictures. You showed a little chat. Yeah, there's lots of dick pics, and uh, I'm a guitar lots player. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like I'm just gonna start an OnlyFans, but I'm just gonna <laughs> steal other dick pics. You know, dude, do Impressive it, man. Looking it's, that's where pics. it's at. Okay. Just make sure that you don't go like, don't type in dick pics and take the first like 10 you got to go deep into the yeah, website yeah, yeah, yeah. so that people don't find that exact Reverse stock image with Google the dad on it image it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean I got maybe caught that, in that, that a could few be times. the thing though i'm yep. cultivating uh maybe i'm just cultivating a portfolio of dicks you know maybe that's yeah. just my only fans is just... and it's a folder on your on your desktop that's like sick dicks yeah. like sick. i'm not gonna pretend i don't already have that folder <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry Dude. al Hey. Sorry about it's Bruno. Okay. We're crushing it. We're crushing <laughs> it. This um, is this is my favorite podcast, short of Spit and Chicklets and Joe Rogan. This is the best podcast hey, in Canada. There, there you go. Uh, we'll take yeah, it. You guys got it. I've down. heard good things about Spit and Chicklets. It's so funny, uh, man. It's so funny. It's, if you like it's hockey, a, it's, it's a hockey thing, though, right? It so, is um, a hockey thing. Yeah. I wish I liked a sport. I just I, I missed the boat. <laughs> you know, I missed the fucking boat. Uh, what okay. happened? I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's not because I'm a contrarian. It's just I never watched them growing up. And do you grow up in Ajax? It's, it's too late. I, I grew up in, I grew up in Ajax, and then I moved to Whippy. And what? You That's know, like, you know, like you literally know, like Iroquois Center, like Joe Newendike, Gary Roberts, Bob McKenzie. That was like their hub. Like that was one of the biggest hockey yeah, cities well, in Canada. No excuses. Well, fuck. <laughs> no excuses. Um. Whatever, man. So just to like, uh, if we could put a cap on the, that marketing discussion, like and talking about niche and talking about all that kind of stuff, it, I think like, at least for me, the realization that you don't have to be the McDonald's of the music industry. Yeah. Like you, you don't, your Ooh. thing doesn't have to be the biggest thing in that genre or the biggest thing in the world. Or like, why would you want it to be? I, well, like, I mean, people people look at the Beatles. They they get inspired by the Beatles when they're young or whatever, and they're like, oh, "I want to be 
that. I want to be in the biggest band in the world, you know? And that's, that's a fair, I mean, that's, and that's a fair aspiration. And, but for me, just the realization that like, you don't have to be that. And even as a side musician, you don't have to be the best guitar player. I'm certainly not. You don't have to be the best singer. I'm certainly not. I'm a middling keys player. You know what I mean? But I can put things together in a way that works for the jobs that I do. And I think in this, exactly in in the, in the sense of, um, or even this podcast, like we're not going to be, Oh my God. We don't need to become the Joe Rogan of music podcasts. Like that's fine. You know what I mean? If we have uh, a following that's dedicated, like you said, Kyle, it's like, then that's all that, that matters. And I think that people have their eyes always on the horizon, which isn't, um, necessarily always a bad thing, but I think people look without their community rather mm-hmm. than within to sort of mm-hmm. for, you know, I guess like opportunities for themselves or just like where they could find work or who they could share their music with or who they could maybe like hire to create with or play on their record or like what shows should I check out? It's like, Oh, I should check out my buddy Kyle's show. Cause he's part of my community. I'm not, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't, I think people sort of t- I take see. that for granted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. for me recently, it's been like, I need to like look back within my community and sort of get involved, like get involved in, in the music of other people and support. And because you're not going to get that back if you don't give it. Right. And like, you know what I noticed? Good. You're talking about this now. It makes me think like, um, my, like, I would say a hundred people. I know so many people. I have so many friends. I have tremendous amounts of friends, but a uh, hundred people had the, both the EPs well before they were even out. And that's my, that is my community. And uh, some will say, Oh, like you got to focus on your, your release. Like you can't like have this out and in people's inboxes or else it'll affect your numbers and this and that. And I just re- like that comes back like my community like will listen to it as soon as it's done and they'll be the ones to say it's actually pretty sick. And then it's for the people I don't know that I put it on the streaming platform that I put it on. Yeah. You know, and like when you tell an artist, you tell a new artist, if you tell a brand new artist, like uh, what I tried, what I try to tell any new person I'm working with that is so green, that has never played a guitar, that has never sung in their lives. I literally try to like rein them in a little bit and go why don't just take this time now? This is such a special time. Like you're going to be discovering all these new things. Like just enjoy it. Enjoy the people around you, share your songs with people. Like don't, don't think that you need to go from here to here. We discuss that. Or just enjoy your community. Enjoy the people around you. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it That's flops. That's the best it part. It is, man. That's what makes yeah. you like, and then, then when you get to see a nice gradual build slowly and surely people start to maybe maybe it does start to get bigger and bigger or maybe who knows in the year, maybe, maybe the crease rolls on tour with a sweet, huge band from the States that I've always loved. And it's like, I'm touring with my idols. It's, that's my dream. I've always had that dream. Like I want to, yeah. I want to open up for no effects on a festival. That's like my, that's my dream with the crease roll. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. But like, I'm not going to try, I'm not going to spend like mortgage. You're out not going to like second. try to fucking like some, fucking scheme to get in a room with like the lead yes. singer no. and like you know, Those days I don't are know. Gone. like i know what you're saying yeah like it's uh, there's you're just gonna like you're just gonna keep doing your thing and maybe if that becomes a thing great you know yeah and that's not, what makes it special shit 
the what ifs for once in my life, the what ifs are more positive and encouraging because over my, most of my life, the what ifs are like, what if there's a tornado and it wipes my house out? <laughs> or like, yeah. that was my fear as a kid. Or like, what if I don't get that gig and then I don't have that money coming in and then I have to go and do this other job? Or now the what ifs are like, I've done all these things for years to make sure that myself, like I'm set up financially. And now the careers role is just, all that is, is just what I love. And I, I would like, what if like, oh my God, what if Fat Mike saw it from no effects? And he like, said hey guys like come play punk and drublick festival like i always think of those things now and it makes me a happier yeah. person just to organically yeah. like but but not everyone gets to do that because you have to build yourself into a person that can mentally sustain you can't just jump in and be like you know we were all 19 once thinking that when we toured and made 50 bucks a show or 20 bucks a show and we had one pair of jeans that like it's all gonna get better from here but how much work does that take yeah. to make it better and better and better and better? Like it takes so much resilience. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why not start a band at 30 instead of 20? Yeah. <laughs> Woo. We're never going to 30. I'm we're never going to, we're never yeah. going to let go of it, man. I think that's what it, that's what it's all about though. Um, F, that's yeah. the secret sauce. All right. Just yes. never letting go. Ed, what do you put in your sauce? Well, first I start with uh, some mayonnaise and some pickles. No good burger. No. Oh man, it's oh uh, good burger. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, guys both just like a very Whoa. long time. Welcome I don't know that burger. quote, but I've seen I've good seen, burger. I saw it when I was very young, though. Um, or Ed I, saves good burger with the sauce. Sorry, go ahead. If, if uh, I got to split because I got to start a, I got to start a music stream actually in about ten minutes. But um, sick. I got to go to the dump and drop off some stuff. <laughs> I thought you were talking about taking red, me down. I'm a redneck. Yeah. Before we, before <laughs> we wrap it up, before we wrap it up, Kyle, you, I know you're a huge hockey fan. Okay. Yep. And I yep. am in a pool tonight and uh, it's a playoff pool and whatever. So okay. Vegas okay. versus Chicago, who wins? Uh, with this type of situation, you're going to get, I think you're going to get the Knights squeezing it out in six games chicago is going to come in and win early two couple of them at least but you're going to see vegas they have that sustainability as a roster they are they are die hard nice they work harder is flurry going to play yeah. goal for the most of it yes okay colorado arizona uh colorado and arizona colorado the colorado avalanche are going to stomp the arizona coyotes fair that's what i thought too uh yeah they are because yeah you're gonna see you're gonna see uh kale mccarr and Nathan McKinnon and uh, Rantanen, they're going to light it up. Sick. Uh, Dallas yeah. versus Calgary. This is a tough one because Dallas right now is a dumpster fire, so we're, we're not seeing a lot of cohesion amongst the ranks. Um, so I think what you're going to do is you're going to see Calgary. Like Calgary is fast, but they're not super skilled. They're, they drop off after the first line. I would still put money as a playoff team. I would put money on the Dallas Stars. So I would say Dallas and seven. Okay. St. Louis, yep. Vancouver. St. Louis is going to win that series in five games. Wow. Four See, one. I kind of thought they would win it as well, but they, they just went 0-3 in the round robins. St. Louis did. I know, but they also are, they're defending Stanley Cup champions, yeah. and that round robin means shit to them. They're like, chill, save your batteries, let's go in hard. The, the Canucks, they had an axe to grind, so they are now they're, they, you know, they made it through. They're not a bad team. They're young guys, but... Ultimately, the Blues experience is going to take down the Canucks. They're not going to make it past this round. I like it. I like it. Uh, Philadelphia, Montreal in the East. Okay, so 
Montreal's a dumpster fire. They're probably the worst team in this. They won that round robin. Uh, it was great. They beat the Penguins, but the Penguins, they are, they were not something to be taken seriously in the first place. Like they just, their, their time is done. Montreal's got a younger core, so they worked a little harder on that best three out of five. So the Philadelphia Flyers, it's their time, man. I think the Phil, I, you're going to probably see Philly make a deep, deep run. They are so determined, and their core is super strong. And Kata Hot's one of the best goaltenders in the <laughs> NHL. He's fucking dynamite, lights out. Good spit and chicklets uh, reference so there. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say I, I would say I would say because they play each other in such a unique way, I'd say Philly, Philly and six. Okay, uh, Tampa Bay, Columbus. Uh, so we all saw what happened last year where the Columbus Blue Jackets beat the, the best team in the league in four games. Yeah. That will not happen again. The, we saw Columbus, the Leafs lost to Columbus because the Leafs have, they're just fucked up and weird. And your, Tampa Bay will never let that happen again. Columbus also, they won that series because of guys like Panarin and Duchesne who had that clutch goal scoring. And that was the one goal games that Duchesne, Panarin, they're gone. They're gone. So yeah. you're going to see it's going to be, they're just going to be hemmed in their own zone. And Kucherov and Stamkos are going to be sending those one time clappers everywhere. You're they're going to lose the yeah. Columbus Black. Their Blue Jackets are going to lose in five. Yeah, fair enough. I, I yep. agree. Uh, Washington, yep. New York Islanders. This is interesting. Islanders will win this series in seven games. Really? Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's uh, OV, OV's, OV's race to pass Gretzky was severely interrupted by COVID. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of naysayers are now like, yeah, it's not definitely not going to happen. So you're going to see an Ovechkin who's like, I don't want to win the COVID cup. I just want to stay in my hotel room before COVID's done. Kind of thing. I think you're just not going to see them play very well. Okay. Islanders, Josh, Josh Bailey, Canadian boy and his, and his team, they are going to, they are going, they want a cup so badly. They really want a cup in New York. Yeah, they really do. And they've got, yeah. they, they've, they've got a lot to prove after, Losing Tavares, even though that was two years ago or whatever, oh. but they still feel no, they still they, feel like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and they have great goaltending, great goaltending in in the island. So right on, okay. Uh, and last one is Boston, Carolina. Okay, interesting. So Boston in that play in round, I don't think they were taking it too seriously. They're saving their batteries as well. They don't really care about seeding. Yeah, the Bruins are such a good team. Carolina is very very cohesive. They are a unit. They are a unit team. They are going to, there's something so special about the Hurricanes. I just, I really don't think they can beat Boston. I think they're going to win a couple though. So they'll probably push it. I think Boston in six, Okay. unfortunately. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yep. All right. Thank you. That helps me greatly with my, uh, <laughs> my something to think about. My, something to think about. Bruno, you got anything to add to the hockey talk here, bud? You got any, uh, uh yeah. yeah. Keep a stick on the ice and, uh, <laughs> Sharpen your skates. <laughs> you should always sharpen your skates, and your stick should always be on the ice. Yeah, always. Good, there you go. Yeah. So you can tap it in. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Sorry, man. I just, I just had to that's take a, it there. I, I, I just had to take it there, Bruno. I apologize. <laughs> there's a line in Brotherhood, though, if you listen to it again. It's, leave your empties here at Christie, where I lived, and then the, go to the rink, keep your stick on the ice. I think important. I did hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very Leave your empties here very at the house. Important. Don't bring your empties to the rink. We'll drink some there out of our bottles and yeah, keep your stick on the ice. <laughs> there you go. Wise words from Michael Hebs. That's going to wrap us up for this one. Thanks Kyle for coming on. That was a blast. Really enjoyed ch- chatting Thank with you guys. Good to see you. Um, oh man. Thank you. So where can people check out the band and where can they follow you on uh, social media, etc.? Uh, we're on Instagram at the crease rule.to 
Uh, there's a link tree in our bio that shows all those videos, all that merch, Spotify, Bandcamp, all the other places like that. We're on Facebook, we're the Crease Rule. On Twitter, we're the Crease Rule. You can type in the Crease Rule on Google now, and it actually shows up in the top five, which is pretty sweet. Nice. nice. So that you doing ah, something yes. right? So special. Google go. loves us. There you go. All right, and uh, you can follow the podcast uh, at Music Guy Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Our website is musicguypodcast.com for all past episodes. And, of course, the YouTube channel with uh, clips, live streams of the podcast as we record them, and other cool little videos like that. Uh, you can follow me at Al Row Music on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, wherever else and you can find mr michael hebs on instagram at bruno the meek and also on twitter uh at hebs underscore michael i have one tweet yeah. um, i just followed you on twitter and uh, there you go read it and i, I tag him in, <laughs> in every it. podcast post he's there and uh and michaelhebs.net as well for uh, yeah what? oh yeah, yeah i got a website <laughs> thanks everybody for listening we love you if you want to support the show please share it with your friends it helps us immensely and we appreciate uh you guys coming by and listening uh each and every week so we'll see you guys next week for another episode of the music guy podcast bye for now gretzky